Hi, welcome everyone, and thanks to another program with your host, Mordechai Weimerger, LCSW. That's me, Mordechai Weimerger, stands for Licensed Clinical Social Worker. We're here to take your questions and answer, or questions and comments to 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. There's almost no way to start this program without mentioning the tragedy that happened over here in Flatbush, and it's a tragedy to all of Klal Yisrael, and it's something that there is no words that we can talk about, and the Rabbi Shalom should just send to all of Klal Yisrael a year, uh, at least a Pesach, to come with Simchas, and maybe Zeichet to the Gula Shalema, and the Rabbi Shalom will, will show us the light and give us the Koyach to withstand and go through with what is happening. If any of you would like to um, send a question, call in. You can call 718-683-5858, 5858 I could just tell you that from my phone line, the messages that I'm getting of people are of chizik and of strength, and how everyone in Kleisro was affected all over the world from, not from, in any community, there's just a feeling of achdus. And that is something that we, if Merit Hashem, we all walk away with, will be a huge schos for us all in Kleisro. And the Rabbi Shalom should just give us the opportunity to be achdus through simchas and through happy occasions. And we will be to only have positive in all our lives with the Gula Shalema. The number to call in again is 718-683-5858. We've got a couple of people on. So we have Mrs. S. You're on with Mordechai. Hello? Yes. Hi, thank you for that introduction. That was really nice. And thank you for your show. Um, my question is like this. One of my kids is going to go through a procedure quite uh, simple, similar to a hernia or cataract. And they're very, very scared, very nervous. So I took from your, uh, you know, I've listened to quite a few shows, so I took her till the end. You know, what's the worst thing that will happen? Yes. And uh, can you hear me? Yes, I hear you clearly. And, uh, yeah, well, she said the end was the end, yeah. Afraid of, let's use the word end. End is afraid of death, afraid of Gehenna. What's yeah. the fear? That's right, that's right, that's right. You have a difficulty saying the word? Local. She's home the same night. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a difficulty saying the word fear of death? Uh, maybe. All right. So then many times notice that when we the parents have a fear of something, children might feel that. I don't, I, I don't have, it's just, you know, the way we grew up was that, you know, we don't, you know, we say yenomachlo, we don't say the words, we don't no, say, No, no, I know. understand, no, I, I am I'll actually... I'll tell us something, that's the bottom line. So let me clarify to you that we need to do our own cheshben nefesh, and that is, when do we use the word yenomachlo? And I also watch very, very much my mouth on what needs to be said. On the other hand, we also need to realize that if there's too much of a fear, many times it's not al-tiftach pelasatun, but it's our fears that are really masking it and unfortunately we're covering that up so i would ask you if you can do yeah, no 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 i i i my my, my fear is um uh, um yeah. I'm not I, don't, I don't suffer from anxiety or anything like that okay fine so your daughter was she able to say what she's afraid of was she able to say she's afraid were you able to oh, guide her while you're... yeah she said i'm afraid i'm gonna die yeah okay good now what happened after that so I don't know where to take her next. Okay. So let's start. The first step is to compliment yourself. And that is you're able to help her verbalize and express a fear that she has. 
And let me ask you, did you notice a change in her just by her expressing that? It, just that in itself, did you notice a change? No, not really. Well, mm-hmm. so one second. No, no. Is she right next to you? Yeah. Then how about you take her then a moment further and ask her, what is she worried about chas v'shalom going to the other world? They'll do it your way. Is she worried about not being around family? Is she worried that something might be up there? What's her fear? Take it a step further. That's too much. That's too much. How old is she? I prefer not to say. Okay, give me. Is it between 5 and 10, 10 and 15, 15 and 20? Yes. Yes, which one? 15 and 20. Then it's possible then for you to ask her then. She can answer that. That's If it's too much, then here I'm going to tell you. I'm not yes. that sure if you're concerned about Tiftach Palasatan or if there's more fear going into it. But in therapy, that's what we need to do. And that's what we do. In other words, we help the person go into the core. There's like a saying that I heard, you know, when there's unfortunately a shooting going on, everyone runs away. The policeman is the one that runs to that place. Or if there's a fire and everyone runs away, the fireman is the one that goes into the place. Same thing when there are emotional stresses or fears, the therapist is the one that's not afraid to go into those places and actually face it. Right. So being that it's a little bit hard for you to do that, I think we need to recognize our limits as a mother and as a father. It's not hard for me. I'm, she's, I'm sitting right next to her, and she's getting a bit teary-eyed from me asking her. Okay, then that means she's not ready. It means you need now a professional to take over. That's what it means. What it means is you're not skilled to do it in a way that can reassure her or in a way to analyze or recognize all the reassurance that's needed. There's a lot to therapy. Therapy isn't just asking questions. It's about preparing the client that they're ready to go there. And maybe your daughter might have need two or three sessions before we can go into the place. And that's <laughs> right, called building right, the therapeutic right. alliance. So my right, point right. is it's, that... It's quite, that a mi- it's quite a minor thing. I, I just like called. I thought you would give, be able to give me just a... Uh, right. And if your daughter would have not gotten so teary-eyed just by hearing the question, I would have been able to give you the answer. Since we... Uh, so s- pretend she didn't. She oh, no, I would not. Now that's unhealthy for me to teach you. That means I'm going to give you the tools how to do surgery on someone when they're telling you they're raw, not knowing what happens when we go into the person. I wouldn't do that. That's not right. healthy. That will because no, no, that no, because because I'm, cause I'm, I'm, more I'm telling trauma. you that she got teary-eyed. She's, tell, she's shaking her head no. That's why I'm asking you. Right. So I, I don't feel confident. I should say I don't feel <laughs> safe to take this any further. Just like you said, you don't want to give <laughs> the age. I feel there okay. could be more here, and I appreciate well, no, the I, question. I didn't, I didn't want to give you the age because I'm afraid people will recognize Exactly. It, so that's what I'm saying. The same way you're trying to keep anon- anonymity, the same way I'd like to make sure that we don't do more harm than anything the other way. Okay. Yeah. Thank I, you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for being brave okay. enough to call it in. If your daughter was willing <laughs> to, you see, if your daughter was willing to come onto the phone, like maybe we would address it or deal that, but I wouldn't do that yeah. through you, through there. It's. It's no something problem. that I feel might not be that that safe no to do, problem. and I try to do things that are very safe. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Pesach. Yes, thank you. Akashar and Pesach. Right. Um, mentioning over here Pesach, I'd just like to mention this, that Merz Hashem, we have, um, I'm having a course, Merz Hashem, giving this Thursday, especially how to bring in Pesach calmly, but I'm not referring to the cooking and the cleaning area. It's about the entire concept of when you have children in the house, married children coming. Many times we've got into the family members. We've got a family member that has a disorder, and they come, and it's hectic. And then which children sleep in which rooms, and the married children, then the grandchildren, or the nephews and the nieces. Who says the manishtan loudest? 
who is going to be up, who's going to sleep, who's wearing which outfits, getting the kids to help, all these subjects that come up. The parent wanting to have a devout tire, the husband falling asleep at the Seder before it's done, the wife is overwhelmed that the kids aren't helping. It's about everything that's happening during the Bein and kids are home expectations. And everything that goes along those lines, plus mothers working triple the amount, you've got more kids home, and they've got to prepare for Pesach. Husbands, whatever money amount of money you're bringing in is never enough. There's got to be a system and a technique how to deal with it. So what we're doing is a two-hour course, and the number to sign up is 201-691-7626, 201-691-7626. And tonight is the final time to get a huge reduction in the course, in the fee. For those of you listening into the radio and you want to think about it, we'll probably give you one more day, but the number is 201-691-7626. Um, who do we have next? We have Miss P. And by the way, in the studio, we are missing her of Nisim, that he's not here with us tonight. But Meretz Hashem, looking forward to having it next week. And we have a very hush of a person over here with us. Will not Does not want to join us on air, which I happen to enjoy. But uh, hopefully if he changes his mind, we will... Yeah, we'll have him on. All right. Miss P, you're on the air with Mordechai. Got to push it. Oh, Miss P? Hello? All right. Mrs. Hello, R. Me? Yes, hello, Mrs. R. You're on with Mordechai. Uh, okay. So, I'm um, actually, first, let me thank you for all you're doing, and I really enjoy the, the show. It's really entertaining and a great eye-opener. Yeah. And I've personally learned a lot from it. Yes. Okay, so I'm thank calling you. for someone else. Ooh, we already start on with, okay. You know, every time we have people calling in for someone else, it's like, I don't know, I'm not sure. It gets harder. Okay, see what you can do about it. Exactly. That's what I was going to okay. ask you to do. So let's do the best that we can improvise. Excellent. So um, this woman lives in London. Yes. And uh, she's going to visit her parents overseas for Pesach. Yes. And uh, she's now very anxious about going because her brother, like age 16, 17, is not in talking terms with her. Uh, for about a year, um, it started when his younger sister um, went to visit her in London, and he thought it wasn't fear. He's older, he comes first, and he doesn't either talk to this younger sister. Yep. And um, so now she's going, and she wants to know how to deal with it, and I'd like to, whatever, basically. <laughs> so I'm going to give you the short answer, but I'd like you really to realize that this it, how complicated i hear the question as a therapist i know it is i know yeah all right help me out let's let's start thinking like a therapist why is it so complicated let's why turn on the therapist head when you hear this we need to do an evaluation what are points that you hear going on in a story like this there's a lot going on i That's know but there is but i know i hear it all i would like let's start sharing it let's start helping our listeners that when they got a question like just to recognize the complications that i hear let's start number one there is a 16, 17-year-old brother that doesn't talk to a younger sister and now isn't, going, isn't talking to an older sister. Right. Yeah, number, this, this function number one in a family that siblings don't talk to each other. That yeah, means there's you. something going on. Right. Step two, where are the parents? You as a parent, would you allow one child not to talk to another child, especially to two siblings? No, that's no, another problem. That's right. It means that there's an issue with the parents. Whatever it is, they could be wonderful, nice, sweet parents, but something is going on in their parenting skill. Right. Correct. Now, step number three. The, when the brother doesn't talk to the siblings, these siblings don't have any tools how to deal with him. 
Correct. <laughs> Step number four. So one or more siblings over there are bullies means they use pain as manipulation. You don't want to give this to me. I'm never going to talk to you. Right. Step number five that I hear is if someone can get away with it, that means that now the family is ruled by fear. So it tells me one of the parents are a tough controllers, either outward or covert. It means over, either overt where everyone sees it or still a height. They have like that, those eyes and that cold, non-flexible stare. And this son is using one of them. How accurate am I without ever knowing anything about the family? No, the last one, not really. They're a little dysfunctional, but they're not, they're not um, um, controlling. I don't, maybe they're like um, thinking. Yeah, think when you say dysfunction. Does, does one of them really get nervous if you don't listen to them and drive you nuts? Come on, please do it, please do it. Maybe, maybe to one of them, she's like really, the mother is really dysfunctional. Maybe they always listen to her because she's like... Uh-huh. And she uses pain or, or, or sadness or guilt as manipulation. Yeah. But yeah, that's maybe. still controlling. That's still very controlling. They just do it from the Rahmanas level. Yeah. And if you don't fall for their Rahmanas, then they start turning angry and they yell and they scream. Could be, yeah. Sure. So what I would like you to recognize in this difficult question is you're giving me a family situation which can take several therapists or at least a year or a year and a half of therapy to start dealing with it means you got to start unraveling the knots you know sometimes when you've got like six strings together and they're all knotted up you ever okay. see like those wires and you want a single therapist to unravel 20 wires or the more siblings there are plus the parents all raveled in there and we got to start identifying who's the issues, how the kids are enmeshed, how all these issues are going on. Yeah, first and, of all, not everyone is going to be ready to go to the therapist. Maybe. Oh, of course. We're not there yet. I just want you to understand the issue yeah. and the complication in your question that's going on. Mm -hmm. And then, as we know, those family members that they remove themselves from the dysfunction means they don't want to play the game. Usually, everyone begs them to get involved and to help out. The minute they start actually doing something, they usually get attacked. You're doing uh -huh. it wrong. You're too strict. You're too this, too that. Right. And now I'm getting a question to get into that entire planta, into that huge challenge right. of dysfunction, and give a response in about 30 seconds. Now, yeah, what I what I will uh, tell you is that is part of the course that I'm going to be giving this Thursday, and that is at least help to identify your points. And there's going to be self-care advice, how to protect yourself, time out. There's going to be a lot of information, what happens when you need to be there and how to deal with it. But I will not give you the tools on how to actually deal with a therapeutic process to help the brother. That's not possible. How yeah, to help the I know, sister. but how to help the sister that she's going to visit. That's right. So I can give you the it. short version in about 30 seconds, but the, my real recommendation would be to sign up to the course. And that number is simply because it's about, I'm going to be giving about an hour's worth of information. Okay. I'm not trying to tell you take the course because I don't want to give it to you. What I mean is I need to explain to you about how what their self-care is, how mm -hmm. to identify what are their triggers, and I'm going to give those tools. How to recognize what's her primary need of when you're going to go to England or wherever she's going to go to. When right. she gets triggered, what is going to be her safety system to get out of there? Each of those I'm going to be giving, describing step by step. And because unfortunately, the question that you're bringing up is extremely common. Mm -hmm. And that's why I, I feel it'll do an injustice if I just spend about a minute tell you, well, let her tell herself it's not important or she can't help her brother or just think of two, three positive thoughts. I feel there's a much deeper level. So that is really the number is 201-691-7626, 201-691-7626. And that's really where 
um, to call up now. The Really, the final sale was I'm giving a huge reduction of the prices today, but for those listening to the radio, if you still call up, even tomorrow, Tuesday, we'll probably do that if you say you just heard it from the radio. But in general... Mm-hmm. So you have, like, a little something to say about it? I t- basically let her know that her goal is not to help the family. Her goal is not to try to please everyone mm-hmm. and to allow the brother to be angry at her. That shouldn't be her goal. Her goal right. is to think, what can I enjoy from Pesach? So I can connect to four other siblings. I can enjoy my parents that I didn't see in a long time. To focus on what, yes, and not to focus on the what not. Okay, and a little question, another little question about it, is um, is it okay or fair to have someone speak to this brother just for now and tell him this, this married sister is really going through a lot of really hard things? So is it fair to tell this brother... He can't do it. It's like, it just, he can't do it for her and make him feel guilty about it. Um, let's put just it that for way. instance, you know. So, let's, you've just opened up another can of worms. Let me explain right. to you what happens when you do that. And I like this question again because this is an issue that people have. Just tell this person this and that. Do you think no one has ever spoken to the 16, 17-year-old Bacher? Yes. But nothing. I mean, he's getting attention. Whatever. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah. Now, did that help? No. Now, let's take it a step further. Did, does he really care about others? Was he taught to care about others? Or was he taught, unfortunately, to only care about himself? I don't know. What do you think? Take an assumption. I think he was, he was taught. To, they're, they're a very caring family. They yeah, care so when he doesn't others. want to talk to someone, he's really thinking about their feelings. No, now he's thinking about his own feelings. For some reason, he has a need to... That's right. So many times when you have someone just speak to someone, what you ha- what's happening is they're actually opening up a can of worms. Because he's going to start going, do you know what this person did to me? And do you know what that person did to me? And keep on going on and on. Right. Do you recognize that? And therefore, yeah, sure. just telling him or to go care for someone, someone to open up, might actually be opening up a can of worms, might be making it worse. Oh, you only care about them, you don't care about me. Who set you up, my mother or my father? And all these points that start happening, and no one cares about me. Why don't you, did anyone speak to them that they should be nice to me? Right, right. You need to be aware of what happens. And as a therapist, I see many times when parents or when people try to have, like they want me, just speak to him. I go, so many people have tried. How about we need to change our method and actually give send this kid to therapy? Mm-hmm. So let's not deal with issues during the crisis time. Let's right. deal with it before the crisis. Mm-hmm. And that's many times why Yom Tovim are the hardest times because we avoid the real issues. And then unfortunately, we want to deal with it during crisis time. That's not when we deal with issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. But I still got a... You know, some good ideas. So. Yes, excellent. I'm thrilled, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> okay. Yes. Great. Take care. Hatzlacha. Amen. All right. The number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And the number to text your question, if you'd like to, but of course, we usually take in callers, is 347-927-8398, 347-927-8398. We have Miss P. You're on with Mordechai. Hello? Yes. Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem. Okay, so I'm an eighth grader. And let me just ask you, did your parents give you permission to call in? Yeah, they definitely did. Excellent, great. Okay, so I have, I'm in a class that's not like the most mature class. Yep. And they just enjoy having fun in the middle of class, doing whatever they want, speaking, and 
by most of the teachers, it's in control. Like, sometimes they do it, but sometimes they don't, and they basically behave. But then by a certain teacher, they, it really gets out of hand. They literally do whatever they feel like doing. Yes. And they just, and it, like, I, when I'm sitting in that class, I literally feel like crying for that teacher. That teacher cannot handle us. Yes. And she, and I really do not know what to do. She's, I, I feel so bad for that teacher, but yeah, I can't get up in front of the class and tell them to stop because they're going to look at me like, how do you just fell off the moon? Like That's right. That's a fantastic question. And I would like to sh first tell you the amazing part of your question, because as sometimes I tell people, like from the question, you could see their personality. Can I compliment you a little? Yeah. Let's tell you what I see of your personality. You're a person that has a leif toiv and has a Yiddish neshama, means you care for others. Well, You're a person you. that at the same time, when something is doing, when someone is doing something wrong, you care about them, and you care about the teacher, and you feel for their pain. At the same step, while you're aware of what needs to get done, you're not acting rash. Like you're not just standing up and telling the class stop, which might hurt you. And it's extremely important that when we act in a leadership position, to do it in a way that we are also protected. So we need to balance helping others and protecting ourselves. And that's a tr that's a chachma. Next step is you're actually calling up and willing to get guidance and advice. That's another step that especially I have in my book where people are afraid to ask advice. There's a concept that the people believe, I'm so strong, I don't ask advice. And you'll find the people that are angry and weak, those are the people that never ask advice. But the smart ones, the wealthy people, the real businessmen, they have lawyers, they have accountants, they have Rabbanim who they speak to, they make business contracts, they have a dayan or a tayan to write it up for them the right halachic way. So I want you to recognize that each of these points is something that you're extremely brave and you have it naturally. And there's a last Thank point you. that I'd like to mention is you're actually able to call up on live radio publicly and ask your question twice. That's very powerful. And recognize your strengths that you have because if you have this in eighth grade, I could just imagine where you will be, Mertesham, five years from now or ten years from now. Now let's go to your question. Your question is, there are kids that are making trouble to a teacher and it hurts you, and you, how do you get it to stop? And you don't want to do it in a way that will harm you. Right. So let's first recognize two steps. Number one, it is something that your teacher, we learn from experience, and she might be able to take a course, she might be able to learn and figure that out. Right, and but she's not like a teacher that just started teaching. She's teaching for many years already. Okay, so then we can learn from that, that if we don't learn to master strengths within ourselves, these issues come over and over. So first you could recognize that, that if you have a weakness in one area, to recognize, and for all of us to please recognize, if we have an issue that comes up over and over and over, it doesn't go away. we got to learn to deal with it. Now let's go to really to your question and address your question. What I find that works is if you can give yourself about a month to change around the class, and I'll give you a couple of tips and tools how to do it, but not to expect it to happen over one day, you can see a big change. Number one is how many good friends do you have? Do you have three or four good friends that you can speak to? Yeah. So imagine you would go over to your friends and tell them, let's start a campaign for us to start slowly that we shouldn't make trouble by this teacher. Right, we're I'm doing that since the beginning of the year. Okay. Right, so now... And it's just, you, they're just like looking at us. Okay, you don't want to do trouble? Go have fun. Just listen to that teacher. But we want to do trouble. We want to have fun. Great. Why now what you're going to find is that from the girls that make trouble, there's usually only four that make trouble. And the rest of the class don't want to, and they're following. If you will start your group, us four, with the girls that don't make trouble, and slowly each of those four friends probably have another friend that you can hook up, just one more, 
Yeah. Once you have 10 girls in the class that say, we are not going to make trouble, and the other class has trouble, and you 10 girls stay quiet, you will see after two weeks of these 10 girls and you guys being mechazek each other, you see how proud we are? We didn't do it. We are going to mm -hmm. get schar for this. And this is something that's going to teach us in life that even though others do things that are pleasure of the moment, but it's it, it's huge schar, and this is what helps us out. There's a study I've used once or twice, I've said it, and that is the cookie study, where they had three-year-old kids, they put them in a room, and the person left and said, don't touch this cookie. The kids that were, and they told them for two minutes, don't eat the cookie or something like that. And if you don't eat it, you'll get two cookies after. And they had like a little camera, and you see the way how the kids are like looking at the cookie and touching it. And the ones that ate it, those were okay, but the ones that held back, they found, because they've done a study 20 years later, they were the ones that are more successful in life. They're happier, suffered much less of, of mental disorders. They had at a young age, and you're able to train the person to have self-restraint, means to hold yourself back. If you can tell your friends that it's so much better and stronger, we are better people if we can hold ourselves back, and we will gain in the long run, let's start that. You will see how just doing that for ten, two weeks, your five or ten friends, there will be a positive ripple effect. You will affect people by your actions and not by your talking. Mm -hmm. So instead of telling after two days, come on, you got to join us, you got to join us. No. If after two days you have four girls, and after ten days you've got ten girls, and it stays at ten after ten days, ten girls, for about two weeks, you're going to see more girls are going to be signing up. We really don't want to do anything wrong. So you can see how quietly and calmly, not making fun of any of those that do it, don't call them bad girls. Don't do any okay. of that. Does that okay. make sense to you? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But then I have the issue that her subjects are not really the most interesting subjects. Okay. And sometimes I also feel like that. Like I want to just give like a little whisper to a little to a kid at, at mom right in front of me or right behind me. That's the cookie. We all want the cookie. I understand that, Nisayan. We, I understand that very clearly. And that's the power that you can have as a leader. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Okay, good night. Good night. Um, just for those listening, we got a magnificent text that someone sent, and it's as follows. If you're listening, please call in. To the woman that called last week and said that she has a major disability and she can't read, and she would love to hear my book, but if we can get it somehow in an audio, a person has called up, and it's a lady, and she said she left us her number not to announce it on the phone. Um, right, So if you, but we can text it to you, this lady that is willing to do her chesed, and to, I don't want to use the word chesed, she's willing to, she said it's, and it will be an honor for her to read my book to you and to help you out. It can probably even be over the phone. She might not even have to come in person. So if you're listening, that, you know, the woman that called last week, that due to the fact that unfortunately there's a disability that you're not able to see and you would like to hear the book, um, it's magnificent and the schar that we have over here is beautiful. So just call in, text or text in and that your, your name and we'll have that person, we'll text you back that person's number or vice versa where you can call them. So thank you and the chesed is simply beautiful. I'm touched by this, that you thought about it and you held it in all week. And you're calling and thank you. Who do we have next? Miss P. Miss P. You're on another one. Wow, you're on with Mordechai. Hi, it's me. Yes, it is you. Okay, so um, I'm calling. Number one, I really love your hotline. It's amazing. I gained so much from it. Thank you. I'm you're honored. Welcome. Yes. <laughs> 
Um, and also, I'm calling to get feedback. Please. It's a year later since yes. I called it. And um, I just, like, got the courage to call in. And it's about, I called in because I had a friend that I thought would be a negative influence. I heard from kids. Yes. And I took out of it, you said that um, kids label, label kids that are going off. Yes. And what I found was that all the other kids, what they were doing is they labeled her as like, she's going off. So no matter what she would do, no matter how good she would be, she would always be like going off. So they didn't have faith in her, and it was like, whatever. So I decided once you said that. Well, hold that, on. And do you remember what I said that with many of my clients and with people, you just need someone to believe in you? Do you remember that? Yeah. Well, in fact, I, I, I'll, even before we take a step further, let me just cut you off a second. And in the book that I just came out with, it's called Alive. And I wrote over there, this book is dedicated to Lil Nishmas, my father, that was nifted about five and a half years ago. But I remember when I graduated college, I was thinking that I'm just one regular social worker, and there's about 1,600 social workers that graduated that semester. And I'm thinking, I'm just regular, just like everyone else. And my father told me, you'll see, you'll make it, you're so special. And I didn't see that. And sure enough, Baruch Hashem, with a couple of years later, we just see the Siyat HaDashmai that Hashem sent. But I still, even though my father's not around, I still hear his voice and my mother's voice encouraging me, saying, yes, I can do that. And to that, I got to thank my wife, which has joined the bandwagon, my in-laws. It's just beautiful to have so many people telling me, yes, you'll make it. When I didn't believe in myself, I had a beautiful support system telling me, yes, you will make it. And to recognize, I dedicated this book, Little Nishmas, my father, and to everyone that is reading this book that didn't have someone to back them up, I want them to take this book as that personal encouragement saying, yes, I believe in you. And Baruch Hashem, that happened. So now go ahead. Now that we're along that theme, go ahead. Okay, so I made the decision after that I'm, no matter what she's going to do, I'm going to label her as like a really good person and I'm going to have faith in her. And whatever she's going to do, she's going to be the best girl that she could be. And now we're like really good friends, Baruch Hashem, it's a year later. And I, I'm like so happy. And if the whole world would just like believe in other people and label them as like good people and whatever they're going to do is like they're being the best person that they could be, the world would be like much a better place. Yes. So, and what a change do you see in her? What has changed in this girl in the years since at least one person believes in her? Is she going off? Uh, if she's going off, she's a, she might be to the world as she's going off, but she's like she has such an inside to her. Beautiful. And that belief and that focus on that, and if more people will see it and will believe it, there's a change. So tell me, how do you look at it? So I just, I find the inside, and she's the best person that she could be. Yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to say that, so like, So I'm going to try to pull you a drop. What is the positive in this? What have you taken out? What shift do you see in her? I would like to push you just to drop. Do you see a change? What would happen if you wouldn't believe in her? Where would this girl be? Um... Maybe down. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Something. You never know. That's right. But what do you think that happens when you speak to her in a normal way, see her someone with, with uh, positive and with strength? Um, I only see good. Beautiful. And, yeah. 
Thank you. Thanks for that information. Appreciate it. No problem. Great. All right. Who do we have next? Mrs. R. You're on with Mordechai. Hello. Yes. Hi. Um, I wanted to know, like, how do I know what's my, my inner stress? Like, what's really bothering me? But I have something that I have um, a sinus infection, and I want to know. I know it comes from stress. But how do you I know, know that, by the, the way? How do you know that? Um, because I, I don't know. Now, let me explain to you. A lot of people call up with the physical symptoms, with Sarno, people use that method, but really it's a somatoform disorder. It's a real diagnosis. When we've got emotional issues that aren't addressed, it, the body will create it on a physical level. However, right. being that I said that, I've got an issue because I have many, many people calling up that they've got real physical problems and they're not going to a doctor and they like saying it's all stress. And no, I went to the doctor. I took antibiotic, but I know it's, it comes from something, and then I want to know from what. Well, then, so here's where we get to the difficult... How do I get into myself and, and figure it out? Well, first of all, what's wrong? What do you think is bothering you? What stresses in your life? Let's do the simple way. Besides from Pesach, I don't know. Well, when it's not Pesach, are you stressed? No. No? No. All right, then, it's, then maybe it's just Pesach. I don't feel um, so stressed about Pesach. So let's understand it. Let, let's hear you clearly. There's no stress before Pesach, and Pesach is not a real stress. So then it's not stress. I'd like you to recognize, if it's stress, you'll feel what it is. If you're saying it's not stress, then either you're in denial, or it's not stress. And it's just physical. The change in weather can have a big effect on us. We went from warm weather to cold weather to snow to warm weather the next day that it melted all the snow. If I'm in denial, how do I know that I'm in denial? In denial is if you see you're really yelling, you ever see these parents yell, I'm not yelling, stop telling me I'm nervous, I'm the calmest person in the world. That is called denial. Or a person says, I'm very large with money, yeah. Can I have a dollar top? No. That's denial when you say one thing and in reality. So if you want to know if you're in denial, your close family members, what do they say about you? Not what the world says, because the world will say you're such a calm person. Does your husband and do your kids say, Maya, the most, you're so relaxed when it's not Pesach time? What does your family, if you ask them honestly, not am I a good mother, because they'll all say yes. But if you would ask your My husband... My children are too young. Don't know. Yeah, well, if you would ask your husband, am I stressed, Really? Am I tense? Husbands usually will be honest and wives will tell you. <laughs> yeah. And if they say yes, ask when and don't say no the minute they tell you. Yeah, when you go to your mother, every time you hang up from your sister or every time that friend calls and you can't say no, you're a nervous wreck. And don't go, no. Write it down. Ask your husband for four or five times that he thinks you might be nervous or what he thinks it could be. Write it down. Think about it for three, four days. Then call us up next week. Okay, Many times you. we're blind to ourselves. Or if you have a good friend that really knows you or a sister or a brother that you're very close to, ask them. Honestly, I will not say no. This is what the exercise that Mordechai gave me. Now, if I, even if I won't agree with you, I won't say no. Could you just tell me, do you think I'm a stressed person? Am I in denial about certain issues? 
Mm-hmm. Many times we have friendship relationships where the husbands say, every time you hang up from that friend, you're a nervous person. Please tell me when I walk into the house, if you spoke to that friend in the last hour, because I'll come back and I'll come home an hour later. And the wives go, that's not true. It's not her. She didn't. If you would come home earlier, then I would be calmer. Like, let's recognize. Ask the spouse. The spouses are usually very real if they, if they, if they feel safe that they won't be attacked. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Hello, hello. Are you on the line? All right, if you call back Mrs. R, I would like to hear, what do you think? Do you think your husband will actually say yes? You got some stuff? If you're still listening, call right back. I'm curious what you would say to that. Who do we have next? Mr. F. Mr. F, F, you're on with Mordechai. Yeah, hello, it's me. Oh, yes, it's you. Yeah, I'm 11 years old, and I'm getting very chubby. I mean, I'm already big, and uh, I can't control I, I don't know what to do. Okay. First, let me ask you, do your parents let you call in? Well, yes. Great. So your point is that you're getting chubbier and chubbier. There are, like, two kids in my class also, and they go to, like, diet centers and stuff, and then they ask Mama. She's like, you can do it by yourself. And... Right. So you want to go to a diet center? I, I, I could also do it by myself, but sure. I, I, would, I would like it. Of course. And why, well, let's understand, why would you like it? What to go? Cause yeah. like they, they tell you exactly what to eat, what to do, exercise, uh-huh. everything, and then more controlled, like the kids in my class. Like, let's say I don't like one day to lunch, then, I'll, then like they bring their own lunches every single day. Yeah. Oh, eat and stuff like I don't I like to have official thing. Now, I've got two answers that I could give you. I could give you the answer for the kid, or can give you the answer for the adult. Which would you like? Maybe say both. I'm now 11 years old. What do you think? I, I want you. It depends on your maturity. How will, how strong are you willing to work? Well, yes, I could. All right. So let me tell you. There's a big secret that I learned when I became an adult, and I see so many adults still acting like a kid. Now, let me share with you the side. The idea is that when we're kids, we expect mommy and tati to do everything for us. And there are many adults that still complain, if only my husband would do this, if only my wife would do that. We're busy complaining and that we want others to do it for us. And that's a sign when someone's a kid and it's healthy for kids to be that way because that's part of our stage, part of our age. What adults learn is, Ein hadavar tluya elabi. To get something done is dependent on me. So let's assume your parents don't want to send you to a diet center. You can ask the boys, can you maybe give me the, your menu? You might ask an older brother or sister. You might ask an aunt, an uncle. Because many times the women more likely went to some, to some diet center or some diet treatment. Something. They want to say, can we make a plan? Step one. Step two is you can also ask and start preparing what lunches and suppers do I need? How can I get that? So if there's whole wheat, can I ask my mother to just buy the whole wheat bread and I'll make it myself? You're 11 years old. You could buy the tuna or you can buy whatever other food it is. And this way you can make it yourself. Now, of course, it's easy to have your mother make it, but you're also 11. So you're still a kid on one part. But on the other hand, you're also an adult that it's pretty simple. You're allowed to cut the slice of bread, put the little pickles, if they're sour pickles, ask your mother if she can go or sister can go to the grocery, come home and ask if you could just put the little bill, the little stuff on the bill. You get what I'm saying? To start thinking, make the plans, and find out what can you do to keep to the diet. 
what's if I'm like hungry, like I, I want to eat, and then what's like uh, ah, I, I so one hold of the steps in. is good. So one of the steps are not always to hold yourself in, but to have they have like the healthy nash. Healthy nash is talking about let's say you buy carrots. So you buy grapes. A lot of times in these secrets, what they have in these diet places is that you freeze grapes. So you take food that that you'll eat that. You know, those those healthy vegetables. Mm -hmm. And many times it's almost like addictive. Like we just have to nash something. So if there's nash around, we'll eat that. If there's healthy food, we'll eat the healthy food. So what should I do now? I should like start it by myself. Or should I should ask my mother. Yeah, I believe I would ask you to ask your mother. Ask if your mother can write up a diet with you. And what they also find that works very well is writing down what you eat. So you'll make like a little chart, and you'll have let's say today is Monday. So what I ate today and Tuesday, what I ate, and you can even plan. This is what I'm going to eat for breakfast, lunch, and supper. When you prepare it ahead of time, you see a big change in your in your eating habits. And also to keep in mind that even if you would forget or make a mistake once in a while, that's okay. As long as you stick to the process. And what should I like take for lunch and stuff? So I would have you then speak to your mother and ask her, or if you have any older sisters or any aunts, you can ask or ask your mother, is there any relative that went to a diet that I could call them up and get the diet? My mother, she, before I was born, she was, and she's on um, gray sheets, so. Great, so ask her if she can give that to you. Sure. Okay, thank you very much. Does that make sense? So here you're doing it on your own. And here you're able to pull it through. You see it? Like it gives you empowerment. And if it gets stuck, call up next week, tell us how it went, and tell us where you need a little help. We'll be willing to guide you a little. Okay. Great. And also remember, you could even ask those friends, could you tell me what diet you're on? How does a diet work? They might want to share it with you. All right? Yes. Great. Okay, thanks. My pleasure. Okay. Okay, thank you. Bye. All right. We got to pick over here and list in order who to go first. Who do we have? Mrs. R. Mrs. R. Wow, we got the famous S's and R's. Mrs. R, you're on with Mordechai. Hello. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Fantastic. Okay. I must tell you that I picked up your book, and I was really scared they weren't going to have it after hearing last week what you said about the stores not having them. I want you to know it happens Can to I be make amazing. an announcement? Which Please. store does have it? Good, go ahead. Well, Judaica Corner and Bar Park still has some. Yeah. So I, I think I'm... Eichler's. I also saw some yes. on Eichler's on 13th Avenue. Yes, yes. I didn't check anyone else. I but... happen to have spoken to someone I know spoke to Eichler's today, and I couldn't believe the amount of books that they sold. It was really nice to hear. The numbers are, are staggering, Bar Hashem. Yes, Bar Hashem. I was very happy. It's very nice to be able to read everything I hear to have it in a book it's for referral it's really wonderful yeah i I've, we're yeah. looking for it you think it's okay to give to a 13 year old to read especially i want you to know just like this program is meant for is meant to be family appropriate means for a teenager right i'm not talking about the appropriateness i know I'm talking that about understanding extremely for an example teenagers i i can just go through several chapters that are from the most important that i wish i would have heard as a teenager and i actually do that with my clients for example, just a chapter number one, 13 year olds are busy with self esteem. I made them, you know, I'm not feeling good about myself just to recognize how they're uh, to build and to recognize their self esteem. Chapter number two, fantastic for teenagers about making mistakes. Teenagers are the ones that are under that belief, I made a mistake, no one's going to like me. And that's about making mistakes. And the more mistakes you make, the more successful you'll be. It breaks. It's a cognitive change to the awareness that teenagers are busy with getting that hundreds. And they get into that friend got a hundred. And here we're giving more of the picture to that. 
Number mm -hmm. three, chapter number three is again so much for teenagers, and it's about the concept of new beginnings. Teenagers, they finally get good at something. Now they don't want to go to the next class. The teacher, I'm not so good in this subject, I'll never be good at that. And we need to teach them, no, every step in life is about getting to new beginnings, trying things new. When you're new, you're not going to be so good at it. But as you master that, as you practice, as you make mistakes, you'll get better and better. So continue making that. And we give several, several illustrations. The boundary of saying no. Teenagers are so afraid that how are they going to tell the friend no? They're going to lose their friends. <clears throat> it's unbelievable how that helps out. Rick, okay, I'm looking forward to letting my teenagers... And this is only the first three-fourths. These are just the first three-fourths. Right. Number seven is also so important for teenagers, for adults, but especially about getting advice. The teenagers have so much in them, so many fears and doubts or concerns, and they don't know how to get help. They're explaining and illustrating that the smarter, the bigger the Talmud Chacham is, the more they need to ask. means if it's a Hilcha Shabbos question, then they're going to need to call up the engineer that created the... that created the that invention how does it work if it's about a life and death child they have to speak to the doctor the greater the rav or the greater the businessman is the more people they'll ask and it breaks those doubts that teenagers are never stuck in that they send me these questions who do i open up to or i can't open up and here they're going to get it differently in each of these chapters what i've done is again this book is based on 10 of the most important sessions that i work with almost all my clients of all ages i would say from the ages of 8 to 80 and I've put that all in the book. So when I have people and I get messages from people, they go, I just looked at the chapters and I thought you're writing the book specifically to me. And the answer is that when I read it, it's about me as well. These are universal issues that anyone alive will have. How to go from anger to from anger to forgiveness. Simple one. How do we lead without being a dictator that people should want to listen to us? Don't you think your teenager would want to have that? How to lead, how to have friends listen? Everyone yeah, I wants think to it's wonderful. Each of these chapters are meant for teenagers, and it's a cognitive twist that there's a there's a dvar chachma there, if I may say so humbly. It's it's intelligent, but at the same time, it's written appropriate that everyone can mm -hmm. can seem to, to read. get it to read. Okay, my question is yes um, about sad. I don't even know what it stands for, but I'm sure you do. Sad. Sad. The seasonal seasonal something. Oh, seasonal affective disorder. Right. Could yes. you explain to me what that is? That is a very complicated disorder, and I'll tell you really? why. Really? You know, yeah. Because oh, it sounded very simple. <laughs> it is very simple. It's just what happens is everyone starts dying themselves with seasonal affective disorder. Okay. The concept of seasonal affective disorder is that as the weather changes, some of us get affected by the change in seasons, meaning, as I've noticed it, and this is something that everyone has, and that's why we're going to clarify in a minute before we share a diagnosis, everyone diagnoses themselves with that diagnosis. I notice that since the day, like when I finish work, and I get on the bus because I travel to Lakewood every day at 6.30, and it's sunny outside, I'm in such a good mood, especially mm -hmm. the first week when we change the clock, and when somehow I finish work and it's pitch dark, it's like, oi. That's basically seasonal affective disorder, but on a much greater scale. It means that when the weather changes to the dark or to the weather, mm -hmm. they are depressed that they actually can't get out of bed. It's not to a level where, like, my mood is a better mood or a lower mood. It's not a level where our mood is just changed. It's where we are diagnosably changed every time there is a huge change in weather. And it's What's a change it's not, Okay, but it literally can't get out. Yes, that's why I'm saying seasonal affective disorder is not a diagnosis that you have really diagnosed often. It's mm -hmm. something that's very rarely diagnosed. Now, the issue that I have about sharing this so live in public is everyone's going, ah, oh, 
I'm in a bad mood now. We changed the clock. Now I have an excuse not to get out of bed. And that's the difficulty when we when we have a diagnosis and when we can recognize sometimes people use seasonal affective disorder to cover up real depression, to cover up real anxiety. And they blame it on that when there's really underlying cause. So therefore, seasonal affective disorder is not that widely diagnosed because most of the times we're dealing with other issues. However, I have met in my practice two or three people that were really diagnosed seasonal affective disorder. But I could tell you that let's assume I could see about 40 people a week. From the 40 people that I've seen in a history of, let's say, 10, 12 years, or I'm licensed officially about eight, no, even whatever amount of years, but I was doing coaching beforehand, to really say that I've seen in that history, I probably have seen three, four people that were really seasonal affective disorder. Most had other issues. Okay, is that is it treatable with vitamin D, or would you say well, that... Now that's out of my scope. Treating, I am only legally allowed to okay, discuss Okay, no, I don't mean to part. ask that. What right. I mean to ask is, is that, is there a treatment for that? So or? what I would tell you is, since seasonal affective disorder is very rarely, from my experience, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but from my experience... Most of the time, there's depression, there's anxiety, there's maladaptive mm -hmm. thoughts, and the season or the change was that little thing, like the little like the straw, straw that broke, that the, camel broke the camel's back. Therefore, from my experience, I usually deal with the emotional stuff first. And if, after doing therapy, and even giving the classical vitamins, whatever the person needs, or sending to a nutritionist, if that hasn't worked, then we start going into other stuff. Okay, but um, what's if there's somebody who gets this only in the winter. And then Meaning we need to go into she does that. have a hard time getting out of bed. She does struggle with um, Again, so here's where crying and things like that. Like she does have that, but she doesn't have that spring, summer, and fall. And part that's possible to be seasonal affective disorder, or it is also possible to be trauma. And if she went through a certain trauma at a certain time, trauma brings back that anniversary will bring back the emotions like a tidal wave. And therefore, before I diagnose seasonal affective disorder, there's an entire evaluation that I would do ahead of that. That's why we don't do diagnosis on this program. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just sharing with you. There's so much more that I hear as a therapist. When someone comes in affected with seasonal disorder, I first start going, well, what was your parents like? And did any of your parents suffer of depression? And did it get worse during the winter time? Like, I would do an entire evaluation before we go into seasonal affective disorder. Okay. Thank you I, I very just much. Want you, I do you understand it. what I'm saying? Well, I'm yes, not saying I do. it's not that. What I'm saying is it could be a lot. Right, I understand. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very, okay. very welcome. Sure. Mrs. R, just by the way, we got over here a question, and here is where it gets complicated. Where I've only done three times in the history that I'm on the air over here is about two years. What is my office number? Well, since I have never done this for getting clients, and I was just listening to a certain program on Sunday where someone's a nutritionist, I think it was every 30 seconds that the person mentioned his office number where you can go to him. It wasn't on this program. I was just driving far away. The point of this is that people should not go, oh, Mordechai's on the air because he wants clients. That's what he's doing it. So what I would like to tell... What? Oh, okay. So actually someone sent the number privately, which is done all right for that level. So, yeah, we're not here to give me clients. That's not the goal and that's not the purpose. And it happens to be now that I have an associate working with me. So if people would like, you can go to him for a lot more affordable. And maybe I will mention my office number. But please understand that the chances of you coming to me is not there. Because Baruch Hashem, Hashem has always sent me enough people for my parnasa, And I'm not taking more. But if you'd like someone that does the subconscious work, um, I would recommend the person who works with me and I review it. So there, I would recommend my office number, but please don't call and ask for me. 
because again, I'm not doing that for me now. So that number is the office, 718-633-1755. It actually has difficult for me to say it out of my mouth here on the radio. So interesting. Not used to that. But uh, okay. And about the course, the person wants to know a little bit more information. What I'm basically doing is I've heard we're getting the same questions over and over about having kids help out. The wives are being overwhelmed. Husbands are feeling underappreciated. Coming to the Pesach Seder, kids don't have devout tires prepared. Husbands are falling asleep. Wife is nervous. We're having a family member that's coming to the Seder, which is a trigger. Oh, we got to go to the in-laws or to the parents. And sure enough, there's a brother-in-law, sister-in-law, or a brother or a sister that's triggering us. We all have these issues. And what I plan on doing is how to give the assaitis of what we need. What's the information? What's the strength that we need? And once we can understand that, what we need, what our children need, the goal is how to bring in the Seder, how to bring in a family time that each one can have a happiness, can have a strength, and to be able to focus on their selves. That is the goal. So for that number, I'll share the number. It's 201-691-7626, 201-691-7626. And that is really for that. Now, someone shared about the, the boy that called up about the diet. He said that someone sent frozen sliced bananas works wonders. And I could imagine that that does work as well to keep yourself um, clear. Oh, this is a good one. How do I react to comments? Bad comments that people give me. I could tell you I'm unfortunately a master in that at this point. Anyone over here that is on the talking side of it, would you guys want to get involved or still not get involved in the show? Oh, yes. Okay. We got over here our, our wonderful DJ. All right. We're not wanting to get involved. I personally like when we have people getting involved, helping out with the program. Take over your father? No. All right. We have a Harav Nissen's son over here in the studio. But uh, no, he won't participate. Merit Hashem, we'll get him in a, sh a program or two. One of the ways to recognize our people do not mean what they say they want to. Number one is they want to just connect to you. Number two, they would like their pain that they share is actually their inner pain that they are sharing. So if they see themselves as someone that's looking for COVID, they will tell you, oh, you're looking for COVID. If they're depressed, they'll tell you, you look depressed today. Comments that people will make to you, unfortunately, is a reflection of them. And if people would recognize that, they would be quiet a lot more often. But since they don't realize that, most of the time I allow the person to talk, talk, and they go, wow, you're really in so much pain. And I could either validate their feelings and then just move on. But let's go ahead and take the calls because the, the, the entire dashboard is all lit up. Let's go ahead. Mrs. R. Mrs. Yes. R., you're on with Mordechai. Yes, hi. Um, I really enjoy your show. I really feel that you uh, are are uh, really helping our community by having all these issues addressed on the air. Thank you. Where people have uh, access to it. Um, last week uh, you said that somebody, I think, texted in a question about how do I get my daughter to help with the cleaning. Yes. And I listened to your answer at, at the time, and I said, oh, my, why did he brush that off so easily? Yes. So then when they replayed the program, I listened to it again so I, to, to see if you really brushed it off. And you didn't. You addressed it, but you, you said it rather quickly. You said, uh, make it clear what you have to do. Uh, but remember that... Um, uh, the girls have time off, and they also need time off. And get yourself a cleaning lady. Yes. Well, okay. So I have a, a couple issues with that. Go right um, ahead. Woo. Well, first of all, um, I just want to say nobody likes to clean. Yeah. It's not a fun thing, and nobody likes it. But you heard uh, you heard from this woman who's 
stressed out now Pesach time because, she said, because of Pesach, the cleaning and the cooking. There's a lot of stress put on us women and mothers. And in Mitz Hashem, these girls are going to be mothers and wives, too. Now, if they start young with learning all about Yantif and the responsibilities of Yantif, they'll be better equipped to handle it, don't you think, when they get to to the stage where it's uh, they could do it, they have to do it on their own? Let me just say dittos, and that means I agree with you a thousand percent. So let's let me. Can I validate what you're saying and even add on to what you're saying? Yes, I believe. That our generation currently, the younger kids and even people in their mid-30s, are suffering from a diagnosis which is called a selfish di- selfish generation. That's right. And I would like to tell you and that... The, and the cell phone generation. Yes, and what I mean by that is that we're afraid to give them responsibility. And I, I need to tell you that that's sometimes my little bit of embarrassment of being part of, quote-unquote, the therapeutic community. What that means is, that means that we are so busy talking about not overworking the children and let them have a happy time that we have forgotten to teach them that real happiness comes from when we work hard. Real happiness comes from when you we're know, giving responsibility and we overcome that. No, you, you, you know, when, yeah. when we women sit down finally by the Seder, we really feel like we came out of Mitzrayim, like we came out of Agolis and we've been freed. Yeah, yes. You know? Yes. Yes. And and it's a wonderful feeling. You really enjoy that yuntif. It's a, it's a that feeling is I can't explain. It is one yuntif that the women pe- play a very important role in. Yes. And I want you to know that that's a large part of the discussion in the course that I'm having. And let, let's take that step a step further cuz so many that concept a step further cuz so many people are listening. And I'd like to tell this to you or share it with everyone. I find that when we give kids their responsibility, that means I love in camp when you've got boys that also have to work. Sometimes Ben Hazmanim, when the Bachram are off and they get a job. I had a client, I love this story, it happened about two years ago, that this Bachar got a job in, let's call it a grocery, it wasn't there, but he was helping with deliveries, taking orders, and he comes to me, he's a client, and he says, I I'm never going to work again. Now, these are one of these kids, you know, saying, I can't wait to leave yeshiva. I'm going to get a job, and I'm going to make money. And I tell them, what happened that from wanting to get a job that you're working barely a week and a half in the grocery, let's say, it wasn't a grocery, but of course of confidentiality, I want to, like, just the, uh, mask the topic, the place. And he tells me, I'll tell you what happened. I took, I went to, I went to work. After a week, I told the guy, you're paying me $12 an hour. I feel I deserve $17 an hour. Right. So the boss, the guy that took him in, tells him, deserve $17 an hour. I'm thinking about firing you. He said, why? He said, you're supposed to be here 7 in the morning. You show up at 7.30 with your tefillin in hand. You take off at 9 o'clock. You're into shachas for a half hour. You're supposed to have a half hour lunch break. You come back after 45 minutes and you're still talking. He said, let me explain it to you. You got to be here at 6.55, five minutes ahead of time. When I see a half-hour break, you're supposed to see if it's busy. You will not take your half-hour break right away. You're going to wait for, the half, for that busy time to pass, and then you do it. You don't show up a half-hour late, leave then to chakras for 20 minutes, a half-hour, and then come 15 minutes later after your break, and then still talk. He goes, this is work? I don't want to work. We've trained the concept that people think everything is easy. 
Now, if right. we start giving our kids some responsibility, now I'm not talking about overloading them. I'm not talking about weighing right. them down right. with weight. But what I am talking about is having them learn responsibly that, yes, you've earned $12 an hour. You put in 10 hours today. That's $120. You're doing that for a week. That's great. Instead, you know, the kids are stopping to work, and they're, and they're just complaining, I want more money, and you're not giving me enough. And the more we can learn that we give responsibility, it teaches maturity. It teaches right. people that health. We are stronger and better for that. So let's yeah. recognize that when someone is on a diet, someone chooses to do exercise, someone takes upon themselves a task, it's hard during that time. But after that, you feel the reward. You feel victorious. You feel powerful. You cannot feel that if there isn't responsibility. And a large part of the course that I'm giving is, parents, you got to give your kids some responsibility. They will feel part of the unto. They will love that. Right. <laughs> and, you know, this, uh, what you said, that remember that the kids have off and they need that time, too. I have daughters that have jobs. And they don't have off this time. They're working full-time, and they have to work full-time. So these school kids that have off, um, that's a bonus for them that they were given off, yeah. you know. Yep. But that's not real life. Now, hold on. Th since I got you on here, help me out with this issue. Now, since I'm a therapist... My difficulty is the balance, because we just discussed how much to let the kids do things and how important it is for them to do. Right. Now, do you know how often I get messages at least every day, I would say at least four or five messages to my text message, which I have on the phone line, and people respond that they're overworked, they're slaved, they're not allowed to go out, the parents are tense and yelling, and whatever they do is not enough. And that is why I also address that other component, which is we need to realize as much as we're talking about health, and about giving kids responsibility and it's better for them. And this way, when they get married, the boys will know how to take responsibility. The girls will know how to take responsibility on their tasks. But do you know how many people I get that are burnt out? Okay. I'm going let's, to say, do, let, let's just clarify that so, so we can recognize. Do you know how many I divorces I get cases where it's heading to divorce simply because the husband or the wife are so burnt out that they don't want to look at making another supper? And they were hoping that Hashem wouldn't give them children. This way they can finally be free. They're getting to marriage to be free. I have that so common and so often in all kahilos that it's scary. And that's my difficulty. And that's why I mentioned the balance that the children are not cleaning ladies. The girls aren't right. cleaning ladies. And the boys are not now taking over the roles that whatever you didn't have in your husband or whatever was neglected all year long, don't start giving now the boys those jobs that they're there full time. The balance is what's needed. And that's, I'm glad that you brought that up. So it's important to give the kids jobs. And that's why, I this, that's why I discussed, and that's what it will be in the course that I'm having. Sit down with them. These, ta these tasks need to get done. It's got to be done in a leadership way that it's got to get done. But if they really don't want to do it, is there other tasks that they will do? And if you're comfortable with that and they're comfortable with that, then switch tasks. It's not dictatorship. Right. But at the same time, we need to realize they're humans, they're people. And at the same time, we need to realize that teaching them responsibility, that it's not that easy for them, will help them out a, a lot as well. Okay. Could I just give you one or two clues that oh, I found Oh, beautiful message helpful. someone just sent. Where is Harav Nissen? We miss him. I know. I miss him, too. Right. Nissen, if you're listening uh, by any chance, we miss you. Yes. Um, could I just give you one or two ideas that yes. seems to help me? Because I will tell you one thing. We are very stressed out at this time. Yes. And this is the worst time for mothers and daughters to be spending time together. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> very so true. Let me, so let me just give you some ideas that I found. Go ahead. Number one, 
that if you do hire a cleaning lady, and I definitely, you know, it's definitely worth it. It's very expensive. I'm not saying to do it every single day, but even once during the week or twice during the week, then show your daughters that you work with the lady, and she should also learn to work with the lady. It, it, it sort of balances things out when you work. We all work together. We take different jobs, but we all work together. Yes. So that helps a lot. And then I found another thing, um, that sometimes another daughter, another child, will, will get, let's say, the youngest or next to the youngest who doesn't want to do the cleaning, will get that child to, to help her more than the mother will, she'll help the mother, you know? Yes. Like it's a it's sort of bonding with her sister yes. or with her brother, although we'll all work together. Yes. And then, of course, there's different jobs for different children. I, 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 you know, I remember when, when I was a teenager, my brothers would come home from yeshiva. Their job was to peel the apples for the yes, compost. Yes, yes, that's and, it. And, and they loved doing that. They knew that was their job for Pesach. Yes. Or, um, or making the wine. You know, they make the wine from the grape juice. But, of course, with it comes responsibility. They have to know that they can only do it if they clean up afterwards. And um, all the responsibility that comes with it. I want to thank you, Mrs. R, for the feedback and for the information. I agree with every step that you have said. Thanks. Who do we have? We've got Mr. S. Hello. Yes, Shalom Aleichem. Hi, Shalom Aleichem. How are you? Baruch Hashem, amazing. Hi, thank you very much. Um, so um, I will go straight to my question for... Uh, I'm calling about a child who's actually only six years old, but I've just discovered that he's being bullied. And what I mean just discovered is that for the past couple of months, like since Sukkot, he's, he's been very wild at home. Um, he's um, pulled down a few, a few blinds of my windows, two of the rooms. He's become a bit wild, and I, wasn't, I thought that maybe he's just a wild child. And then one Shabbos morning in Shul, he told me that boys were throwing, uh, pushing him into the water outside. And I asked him why he, he, doesn't, he didn't come to me. And he said the boy warned him that he shouldn't, he shouldn't tell me. And like that Shabbos, I told him, there's no such a thing. If someone does to you something, you straight away come to me. And, I'll, and I didn't realize. And just today he comes to me and he tells me that when he came into class, the boys were sin- singing Odi Shoma to him and they were making fun of him and etc. So my wife called the Rebbe. And uh, the Rebbe uh, said, yeah, he's been bullied a long time. So first of all, I'm very angry with this Rebbe why I wasn't told for a long time that he's being bullied in his class. Yeah. And then, and I, I mean, I and then I listened to your program on, line, on number one about bullying. Yes. And I think, I think that's more about older, older teenagers. I would like to know, I, I have a few options, because my wife discussed with the Rebbe today if we should change classes. Yes. Um, Which then, number is it, by the way? Let me look over here, just so those listening. 55, I think. Uh, yep, that's it, number 55. So for those of you listening, I've got a free phone line, a hotline, where people can call in. I've got different shiurim, daily questions and answers. Uh, the daily motivational quotes, which is probably starting today. Merit again for me to announce it. But the number, and I got hour-long shiurim, we've got 63 over there. So the number to call in is seven. That number, the phone line is seven one eight two nine eight two zero one one seven one eight two nine eight two zero one one, and section one is the shiurim they have in English, and it's number fifty five about bullying. And you are correct that it's more about older kids. 
Yes. Yes. So my question is here: um, Should I focus on why they bully him? And second question is: Should I discuss it with him openly, open him up? Um, and I don't know what the action to do afterwards. And then uh, the other option is: If I should reprimand these boys if I find them Shabbos and Shul, I'm not sure what role, what, how I can help him to get out of this. So let me share with you a couple of tips. Number yeah. one is first. Speak to him. Have him share what he feels. What does he think about himself? Like, ask him, how do you think? Do you think you're a smart boy or not? He might say, I'm a crazy boy. The boy Relating we to the other, should I ask him what's happening in class? Should I no, first ask him, him what's happening within himself. First, how does he think of himself? Do you think you're a smart boy? Do you think you're a good boy? We want to first find out. We yeah, he's a very talented boy. On your, on your share there, on your program, yeah. you, usually, you say that usually the quiet boys, the shy ones, are being bullied. But no, he's a very, I told you, he's a very... Actually, he opened up only now to me as well, most probably, because there's longer Fridays, and I took him on a hike this Friday, so we had some fun here and there, and he, he basically felt a connection to me, like, after a long time, I'm not having any fun. That's it. So, yeah, so he, I think that's the reason, like, he opened, but I'm very angry at the Rebbe, first hold of on, all. Hold on, hold on, let's not focus, let's do one step at a time. First, let's focus, my main concern right now is your son. Number yeah, exactly. one, and I like what you just shared, because this is such an important aside, Parents that are listening, our children open up to us when we spend time with them. And spend time with them means that we are not texting during that time. It means we're not doing other tasks. Yes, if you're a mother, you can do the dishes or, or cook or bake. But while you're talking to them and they feel your attention is with them. Fathers, if we're with the newspaper or mothers, if we're reading something, then the kids will not spend time. They won't open up. When we spend time with them, everything comes out. And we need That's to spend true. quality time, one-on-one -on -one time with them. Not even, I, sometimes parents say, I can't do it once a week. I know I should do it once a month with each kid. Step one. Step two that I'd like us to recognize is you want to make sure and first validate to your kid, I want you to know you're special. And it's you are good and it's not you. It's the class or certain boys and you can identify which one of the boys are there. Number three. You when you say I'm your special, just verbally tell him Verbally this, tell what? him, you're smart, you're talented. Look at what I see. He needs to hear it. In my book, for an example, I've got in chapter one, How to Build Your Self-Esteem. I give over there a hundred points, like what he's good at. Just, he goes to school. He knows the tests. You learn with him. He's smart. He opens up. He's sharing with you. Each of these are strengths. And you want to tell him, look as to how powerful and how strong you are, how confident you are. So build his self-esteem. Build his self-esteem and say it over and over and over means right the brain, well. what we hear over and over, we believe. And that's why I'm asking, that's why I was asking you to ask him what he thinks about himself. Sometimes the bullies say, you're a funny kid, you're a stupid kid, you're so crazy. I've worked on children where, the let's say the bullies were blonde-haired, so they made fun of the kid, oh, your hair is black. I had a kid, I love the story, I was once walking by a, a, a cheder, and I heard one kid tell another kid, ha, your father is a lawyer, my father's on Medicare, even the government pays for his insurance. Wow. Could you hear that confidence, how the kid said And I was laughing at that. Wow. So the kid that's father's a lawyer is feeling like two cents because the other ones, his father is getting government is paying for his stuff. Isn't that amazing? So it's about what goes into the kids' minds. It's not about what's reality. And many times we are stuck with that. So if you can start first finding out, ask your kid, what do you think about yourself? When these kids were saying that, do you still believe that you're smart or did their lies get into you? And I would want you to use those words, like their lies or the shtism that they said put in. 
And the kid might say, um, oh. I'll, I'll stop you there for a second. Um, yeah. yeah, this is true. He he was he's ve- yeah he's he's very negative about himself. That's very, right. And he has loads of talent. That's but right. I, I I wasn't aware that it's because of all the boys in the class. I was I was mm-hmm. I wasn't I didn't I didn't realize what's behind that's this. Okay. So that's okay. That's what we're recognizing now. That's what I'm sharing with things. you. Now pulling, that you're understanding, the, the window, now that sorry. you're understanding what's happening, that it's because of that we could first combat that. Combating that is by creating first a positive. Words go into children. That's a reality. Words go into all adults, but especially children. So you and your wife want to start strengthening. And when you wrote, recognize he's done something well, compliment it. And let's say his name is Chaim. Chaim, you did fantastic. You really helped the first time. Look how talented you are. You sang the Zmiris and you knew the words already by heart. You want to start focusing on his strengths. When he does something good, you look out to it. You, your wife, if you have older children that are teenagers, tell them, Yankul Chaim is being now a little bit bullied and we want to build him up. So when you notice something good, just point it out. That is a reality that it works on all humans, including you can do that for your wife. When you notice that she's doing something well, just go, wow, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. I can do it for myself. Yes. Ah, you just got the right <laughs> thing. That's it. That is really it. And so that's step one. But how will this, uh, let's deal with Now let's go to step two. Let's go to Yeshiva. I wouldn't call them Rishayim, but... No, they're kids. It's age appropriate for them to do that. How will we deal with that, with with this bullying? The next step is now you start start getting the Rebbe and the teacher on board, which means you tell the Rebbe now that one of the things, the goal is now till the end of the year is to start building your son up. You know how you build up kids? You give them responsibilities. You make them leader of the class. You make them make copies, go to the office. You give them do tasks, and all of a sudden, when they become the leader, other kids will start being on their side. You also start having the Rebbe give tasks or have peer him up with one or two boys that are his friends. And when they're a group of two or three boys, usually those bullies will not make fun of their two or three boys out there. Another point is for the Rebbe to be aware for like two weeks, just to make the recommendation, he should be there at those times. Most of the time, these bullying situations happen when there's no supervision. So if you have the Rebbe there at lunchtime paying a more attention or focusing on it, that makes a big change that the Rebbe makes sure, hey, everyone's got to play. Why is someone doing that? And again, going back to that first step of giving your son responsibility. Everyone likes, there's a natural talent in the Bria that we want to be around the successful people. That's why many times when people have money, all of a sudden it really gets to their head. There's a natural talent to want to be around someone that's successful. Unfortunately, they believe that it's actually them. There was a study that I just saw recently. I couldn't believe it. And you would appreciate this. And just listen to how simple our human brains are. They were doing a study where they had two people playing the game of Monopoly. And the rules are as follows. They know it. One guy gets to spin the dice twice. And the other guy only can spin it once. One guy, when you pass go, for you know, usually you get $200. The guy that spins the dice twice gets $400. And the guy that spins it once only gets $100. That means that the guy that spins twice gets around the board about four times quicker, double and triple, because it's now double. It's, it's, he's spinning the dice, two dice times two. That's four. The other guy gets to spin it once. So he's going yeah. three times the speed. Now, what's amazing, after 20 minutes of playing this game, and this guy's getting more money, so he's buying more properties, you got to see that video clip of the guy's going, yes, every time. Wow. You see, I'm good. You're such a loser. 
Now, this guy knows the game is rigged because they told him ahead of time. You're spinning the dice twice and you're getting two die. The other guy's getting it once. You're going to get $400 every time you pass go. He's getting $100. And the guy that's getting that only has the die can spin it once. And the guy that only gets the $100, you have to see after 20 minutes how his mood is down. He's depressed. And he's feeling like a loser. Now, why? You wow. know it's a game. It's only 20 minutes to test. They don't tell him how long it is. After 20 minutes, they do them the scale, writing down, how good do you feel? How confident are you? And you got to see the way this guy is buying property, and every time that well, this poor guy falls on his property and he has to pay, he's like, oh, you're not doing well. Let me give you a tip. And also, this guy's starting to give AIDSs. What are you wow. giving AIDSs for? You were not successful. You're only successful because the system is rigged. And as human minds, they did it on several people, and everyone is falling for it. Their, our self-esteems go up. The other guy that's losing, his self-esteem goes down. Isn't that amazing? Is it publicly available? That, that clip to watch? I need to remember where it is, but yeah, I, I'll tell you. When I wrote the book, originally I wanted to write it. Ten studies that I find that will change our lives. And this was one of the studies. But at the end, I've, I still think that I might do one of those. In my book, I put in two, three of the studies that I personally love. And one of them is the 10,000-hour theory. Which whatever there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that I put in. I made it a a huge. I put a. Eh, let's not talk about me and what I put in. No, into I the have book. I have two questions on what you yes. just said. First of all, what type of leadership can I give for a six-year-old in my own? Like, what should I do? He He's in charge like, of bringing the chalice to the table, and then oh, you go. Yep, Yanko is the one that does okay, it. Okay. Next next question is how? What do I do um, with my anger against this Malamad? And what do I do if he's not competent to do all the advice you're giving now? Then to recognize that this is something that happens in life, and we. Uh, when, no, my question is: When do we use the change the class? Is that well, the last right resort? Now at the is end that the, of the first year, it's one? Always, everything is an option, and you're the one that will make that decision based on how bad your son is feeling, based on the facts. When you're trying to, when you're creating this healthy input, if it helps, if you have another parent in the class, let's say, or two parents that you know, you might tell them, "Listen, this is happening. I spoke to the Rebbe. He's not able. He's not competent to deal with it right now." The principal isn't able to help or deal with it right now. Can I ask you to have your son, um, let's say, come Shabbos to bring them out? You might want to take out your son and one other boy on Sundays or oh, days that you're off. When you build up an alliance, one of the big steps dealing with bullying is create friendship, create a team. And when you take them, so remember, they're only six years old. So you can yeah. tell the kids, you know, when there's recess, could you play with my son? And it's so easy even to tell the kids, you know what, I'll take you out on Sunday if you play with my son. <laughs> it's that simple. Uh. And should I should I approach this boy if I see him or that? It's very negative? hard. Kids don't understand what's going on, and many times it makes it worse. So, so I shouldn't do that. I don't believe in doing that right away. I believe in more informing the Rebbe, and I am a big believer in informing the principal because it's the principal's job to be on top of the Rebbe. That's the job. You're not tattling on a Rebbe. Everyone's got a supervisor. I have a supervisor. Just today, I had a client coming in with a husband and a wife and going, we thought things were better, you're misinformed, whatever it should be. And I said, thank you for telling me. That's part of my job, to know when I do the job well. Why am I not being informed? What can we do in the future? Am I the correct therapist to be involved in the case if I was able to be fooled? Each of these are mm -hmm. issues that we need to be taken. And the supervisor is meant to be informed. That's his job. And it's not called tattling when the teacher is not doing a good job. What I will ask you is don't tell the principal, please don't tell the Rebbe. That's not uh, right okay. already. You can be direct. Tell the Rebbe, this is an issue. I need to protect my child. Your job is to serve my child. That's your job, to teach my child. I'm not happy with the service. And therefore, I'm speaking to your manager. Let's see if it's getting better in a week or two. And that's his job. That's the principal's job. 
Oh, this is a solid advice. Sure, and not that we are knocking down the Rebbe and saying, he's a loser. No, I spoke to the Rebbe twice. It's not changing. I want to have a meeting with you, the principal, and the Rebbe together. And instead of blaming and attacking the Rebbe, maybe, you know, you can just sit down with the Rebbe. What tools do we have? But now with his boss there, he might take it differently. So let's yeah. first speak respectfully. It might, it, might, it might bring him to the next level. Maybe That's he never right. dealt with this. That's He's right. a young man. He's a very That's young man. That's right. The principal might tell him, you know something, this is the second year, not in front of you, you might tell him this is the second year that we're doing. There are courses for Rebbeim. We're going to insist that you take a course, how to be a good Rebbe, how to be a good teacher. Right. And one more thing. Should I open this child? Like, should I... When, should I ask him how he feels about this other boys, or should Definitely. I ignore the bullying and just build, him, build his self-esteem? Build him up, but you could also have him talk. Do you feel, don't focus too much on it, but how do you feel? If he goes, oh, I feel so bad, or they're bad, or they're Rasham, you could maybe say they're not Rasham, but they're causing a huge amount of pain, or just validate, I understand why you feel that way. Let him get it out. Don't focus that much on the negative. He's six years old. Right, but, but yeah, but what happened today is it just he came home and he comes with a story that the whole class was singing Oid Yashaman, he was physically attacked. And now I realize like, when kids say everyone, many times it's just three boys. I do that I with know. parents when I do the parenting course. Like kids go, the whole class is going to camp. Everyone this, everyone made fun of you. You go, is it really everyone? No, only these three. But these three are the leaders. Ah, so, exactly. So that's why you want to clarify. You want to first help the kids. Wow, everyone's making and fun. And I didn't know. I didn't know what to tell him. Should I tell him? That hurts. That doesn't. He told me yes, it hurts. Yes, you can validate it hurts. And I understand why it hurts. And one of the steps when we teach the validation. And then he looks in my eyes. He wants me to like Tati. What are you going to do? Are you going to go to the rabbi? Are you going to smack that child? What are you going to do? And you can start discussing with him. We'll teach you the mature way. It's not acceptable to happen. And you, I also, I also like many times sharing children the concept that. This also happens to Tatis, and if we don't learn how to deal with it, oh, wow. then it's going to happen more. And you can even share with him a story or two. I've got stories where I'm bullied by people right and left. This doesn't stop. People, clients try to manipulate me. People try to lay a lot of guilt on me. Sometimes I've got certain leaders. Sometimes I've even got people that try to almost threaten me. It happens at all stages, at all ages. Wow. This doesn't go away. Wow. And if we can teach them that this happens, and this is how I dealt with it. It was uncomfortable. But I set it up. Well, Mordechai, maybe you'll say this my child. With Siata we'll Deshmaya, uh, please, I would even ask you as a favor. What? Um, let's just see this. Oh, let's go see it. It's someone there just told me there's a beautiful message over here. This kid will be a very confident kid because his father loves him so much and cares. He is only bullied. He's only getting bullied because six-year-olds are just being six-year-olds. A lot of credit to this amazing father. Wow, beautiful. Oh, wow. And oh, I'm giving wait, the credit to, to you. It. I haven't even refreshed it. Let's get that. This wonderful father is actually bringing me to tears. If only all fathers would be that way. Listen to the messages that we're getting of people. I would like you to know, and just to keep something in mind, I guess I'll disclose a little about me. At 16 years old, I remember that before I started... And imagine that now we're talking on the radio, thousands of people listening and all that stuff. When I was 16 years old, I was afraid to ask someone in shul to please move so I could go to that seat. So for those of you that know in Bismedish, many times there are those benches and like two people standing. And in order to get to that third empty place in the Bismedish, like you'll have to ask two people to move. And I was that afraid to do that. And I had a father and a mother that believed in me and said, you can do what you'll see. And I had certain issues that I was afraid while I was very confident within or self-esteem, I had a lot of fears of being approaching, being attacked for certain things. 
if you plant the seeds, let's not be so worried. And that's why I want to relax us parents that when we've got a kid that's going through a tough year with a teacher or a tough year with a class, let's not get so worried. Let's not see the rest of our child's future is done with. Let's not do that. Let's recognize that if we, the parents, create a positive beacon, and that's, again, the point of my book, and the, where I see I've gotten so much, I feel I owe so much to my parents and now to my wife and to my in-laws and to my clients and to people in the phone line, the chizuk that I get is, yes, I also get attacked from that, but it's a family, it's a support. Hearing positives keeps me going. The beauty to hear that the books were sold out in so many stores and then it's reordered is helping out over here in the J Radio, the way Harav Nissen believes in me. There was, I'm not going to go into it, but it wasn't so simple to get me on. There were some people feeling threatened or attacking whatever that was. And it took, it took about seven, eight months till I was on for whatever reasons. And I was believed in uh, by the people here in J Radio. Well, yeah. I must tell you, Mordechai, that uh, without listening to your co uh, shows and everything, I wouldn't have the courage even to call you. It Beautiful. comes from you. Thank you. Now let's take that awareness. By you having the courage, how many people do you think are now hearing this information and benefiting from that? I don't know. Tell me how many people are listening. I don't know. So I'm trying not to say anything without bragging. So we're not going to go down that level. All right. But the here only, we got a message. This father just helped a lot of fathers. Thanks. The only question I have here, which is unrelated, why, why can't I call for myself? Why only when I have a problem with my child do I call? Let's understand. Let's forgive ourselves and let's say we're all human. And if no. you would know, I've, gone, I've grown so much in my life because of my clients. Because when my clients were able to open up things and go, wow, this is way back in the past. Let's say they're able to go there. I didn't even realize I can go there. And I've had so many sessions in my life since working with clients. The more awareness that's being brought up, I was aware of some of my denials, some of my blockages. Right. And that's the concept that we say in Perkei Yavis, that we learn a lot from people, but the Yaisir is from the Talmidim, that when you know, we learn the most from the Talmidim, I can say I've learned so much more by actually giving so much information is how I've learned more about myself. So let's recognize that to ourselves it's hard, sometimes it's a self-esteem issue, but when we're in the role that we want to protect others, we love others, it pushes yeah. us to a greater place, and that's where I think I will leave it, I'll, I'll leave it for another time to ask you why I feel a lot of times I can help other people, like, till the end, complete the task completely, and with myself, I just leave it to stagnate. Let's I just stop leave it over there. here, my precious, wonderful father. Let's appreciate what you've accomplished in this session, session in this phone call. Let's recognize the awareness that you've done. You've, give, you've, given, you've been given now several tools. Let's harness that. Let's follow up feedback. Let's take exactly. one task at a time. That's more the cognitive behavioral method. Let's take one task at a time. Call us up, Meretz next week. Yeah, we'll the information, you. how it went for the positive or for the negative. And once we get this system stabilized, that your son is smiling again, excited, calm, and you can see it in children's behavior right away, then let's go focus on the next question that you have about you. Let's take this yeah, exactly. for three, four weeks in a row, and let's get this going. And as you Thank share the you successes, very much. you're welcome. As you share your successes, other parents will be gaining the tools from that. Thank you. Amen. With Siata Deshmaya. Yes. Mrs. M, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yes. Um, is it me? Yes, it is you. Okay. Um, about the call that um, the lady called about the friend that she believed in the friend. Yes. Um, I'm. I have something to say. I don't know if it's uh, awareness or not. Like I want to finish off something about it. Yes. Um, the people that need that people should believe in them. 
um, people think that if this person looks like it's going off, then there is like it's not allowed to give them to believe in them. Yes, people like, have a certain belief. You're saying that if that yes, if someone that, that if, if someone's going off the derech, don't build them up. Yes, if I'm going to believe in that person, then I'm going to have a high look in there, and they're going off. Yes, and and it's a very big thing that people should know that nothing will happen. But I, no, no, another another thing, um, no, what I really wanted to say is that the people that are let's say if they're going over there or whatever they 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 are, for some reason they are what they are. But um, why can't we focus that to look on the person where they are? And not where they have to be, or where they, the other people want that person should be. This is the issue. This is the fact. The person is 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 not in a good situation, and nobody should think that that, that person is is happy. So why don't give them something like? Let's let's take this concept and even take it a step further. In the book that we that I've got, I'm not even sure under which chapter because we've changed it several times. But we've got we've got Makaris at the end of each chapter. And it's nice to get the feedback. You know, we'll even look. I think it is after. Cause, eh, actually, great. We got the book right here. It's having someone that believes in you. I'll show you. Let's go take a look at the book. Uh, let's see. It's unlock. Yeah, it's trivia at the end of Chapter 7. Let's see what Chapter 7 is. I'm pretty sure it's the Gemara and Baba Metziah, which shares a story. And I bring it down, which is we all know the famous Reb Shimon Bayechoi, right? And in the Ma'ara by him, we have Rebbe Lazar, his son. Well, ha what happens at the story is that there's the next part to that. Rabbi Loza had a son, and his name is Rav Yosef. But what the Gemara shares is that Rabbi Loza, and the Gemara says what happened to Rabbi Loza, that when he was Nifta, there was a snake around the, the around the Ma'ara, and it didn't let, and it didn't let, want him to be Nikbar next to Rav at the end. And the Baskal says it's not because he wasn't as big as Rav Shemayachai, and he didn't deserve to be there. He really did deserve to be Nikbar. At the end, the snake opened up, and he was Nikbar there. Here it is. It's the Gemara and Bar Daf. I have it over here, 85. So it's Daf Pehe Amid Aleph. And what happens is, Rebbe Lozov's Nifta Young. So now understand this. We have Reb Shimon Bayechai's grandson, son of Rebbe Lozor, which is just as big as Reb Shimon Bayechai that was Nifta Young. And the Gemara says that Rebbe Yaisi was because he was a Yasim at a young age and no one was taking care of him. I'm not going to say what they were, but he was doing huge Averis that in this generation we would not consider anyone at all. You know, let's even see who it is. What happened was Rebbe goes around and sees all of a sudden asks, what happened to the children of, of Rebbe Lazar? And he sees, yeah, they said he has a son of Yosef and it says what Averi he's doing, that today we wouldn't keep such kids in the house if we would, chas v'shalom. Again, I, I would not dare to say this and write it down if not for the Gemara saying what it is. And Rebbe says, this kid, there's no way they could happen and took him to his uncle, which is Rebbe Lazar's wife's sister's husband. I think that's what Rashi says, how the Yichas is, but it's his uncle. And Rabbi Yaisi is running away saying, I don't want to be from. Running away. And the Gemara says, and again, I just wrote it in very short because that's what we were sort of asked. But the short answer is he puts on him the cloak of a Rebbe. Puts on him the special cloak of Rabbanim and says, you look off the derech, but I'm giving you the, the lavush that a Rav wears. And then he says, we're calling you Rebbe. And he says, but I'm off the derech. What are you talking about? And he's saying, yes, we are calling you Rebbe. And with this believing, and the Gemara says that he tried running away two or three times, and every time he ran away, this uncle told him, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. 
Years later, Rabbi Yossi Rebbe is giving a shir, and he asks a shayla, and Rabbi Yossi now, this Yosef is now Rabbi Yossi, answers a shayla, and he says, wow, I hear again the voice of Rabbi Loza, the voice of Rabbi Shimon Yechai. And they say, yes, this is his son. And then he says a Pasuk, that's I think in Mishlei, that this is the schus and whatever it is. And the concept that I bring in this chapter, and that's the chapter about opening up, sharing, getting advice, having someone believe in us, is we all need someone to believe in us. When I spoke to a Rav, I don't remember where the Gemara is, but he shared with me another Gemara, that there's a Gemara that says that there was a problem, that the water was poisoned. And the Tana said, we should all go to the well at this and this time, because he's bringing down a good Shindalad. And this Shindal is going to fight the bad Shindal that's poisoning the water. And when we see the water shaking like ripples effect in the well, that's when these two Shindals are fighting. And we need to give Chizuk to the one on our side. And what this Rav told you was, could you imagine that even a Shindalid needs Chizuk and gets, a, gets appreciated, gets strengthened by Chizuk? So let's understand when someone's over the Derach, Many times they need that chizuk. Many times they need someone to believe in them. Someone that will say, I see the strength in you, even when they run want to run away. And in fact, when we speak to these kids that are over the derech and they're back on the derech, well, the point that's holding them back is the connection and the belief that someone has in them. But it's so much easier said than done. But still, the concept of someone believing us is so positive. I can tell you, I am purely a product. I believe of that siyata deshmaya that Hashem has helped me to have amazing parents and amazing support system. That so many times when I did not believe in myself, I did have that person that did believe in me. Your parents have to believe in you, but you should be able to believe all in all of us. Thank you. And I want you to know that that is a, a reciprocating, powerful effect, that the more I believe in people, the more people are believing in me. It's something that builds each other up. Many times when I get attacked for things that I said, I share it with people on the phone line, and then I get chizik from that. And people go, I can't believe you even get attacked. Yes, I get attacked a lot. Yeah. But that people that, um, um, for example, that run away, it's like, why are they running away? They are really trying to see, what are you going to do if I'm going to run away? So they want really to be left back. Yes, yes. But whatever. Yes, I want to thank you for the feedback and for the comments, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. We have Mr. M. You're on the air with Mordechai. Hello? Yes. Um, I have three problems. Great. Let's first start. Let me ask you a question ahead of time. Does your mother and father let you call in? Yeah. Excellent. Let's go ahead. Let's hear it. Um, uh, you see, I go to OT therapy, and a lot of kids make fun of me. How do I react? Now, I got a secret to tell you. I also go for therapy, and I go for emotional therapy, and people still make fun of me. In fact, I'm not going to say who because the person will be very upset, but a very close family member of mine told me, why do you have to share to everyone on air that you go for therapy? <laughs> yeah. Now, let me tell you, let, let me share with you a concept, and that is children and especially other people will always make comments about us. And if you can learn that when someone makes a comment for you to feel comfortable and safe, that's okay. Which means if we're tall, people are going to tell you, oh, you're so tall. If you're short, oh, you're so short. If you're chubby, you're so fat. If you're too skinny. If you have blonde hair, you're blonde. If you have black hair, you have black. If your eyebrows are a little going up or down, you're doing that. Your lips are backwards, your whatever comes. People always make comments all the time. Now, when it affects us is when we feel bad because we're going to OT. 
How would you feel if you would know that people are always going to make comments and really they just want to be your friend? So when someone makes a comment, you go to OT, you're so stupid. What does OT have to do with being stupid? It doesn't. But it's just something that people want to make a comment. So when you can tell the guy, and how are you today? What do you think will happen then? Um, he's good. Yeah. So many times when kids will make fun of you, they don't mean to make fun of you. They just want to make a comment. Do you know how many times I've gotten a comment since the book came out? Oh, so now you're a big shot that your book sold out? Well, don't feel so good about yourself. It's only the first printing. It's only right away because those people that are your fans bought out. But you're going to see no one else is going to buy that. I actually got that comment from someone. Would you believe that? Someone would tell me your book only sold so well because you're pushing it, but it's not that good. No. Yeah, people make comments all the time. I probably get a hundred comments thanking me for the book, but I still will get one or two comments making fun. So people make comments. Now, my question to you is, if you start having a mirror in front of yourself saying, what do I need to succeed in life? Imagine you can do that. How would you feel? I have a special chapter just about that, that chapter in the book, because I find, I would say that's one of the most important traps that most of us get caught up into, and that is chapter four, our starting to learn to make choices means to start living our life. Do you know how many times I work with teenagers that they're so stuck because as children, kids made fun of them that now they're afraid to do anything different. I want to follow what everyone does. I don't want to do anything different. But you know, the ones that are the happiest are those that are able to think about what do I need to do? What do I want to do? I like this. So sometimes kids are great in art and kids can make fun of, oh, you're so silly. You're so foolish. You're coloring. And now that one or two kids that are pained or that is or that is always negative, they make you feel bad and you stop using art while you're great at art. Now, imagine you could still continue and say that one or two or three kids that make fun are really problem kids means Everything. They make fun of everyone. It's not just you. And you still take art lessons. And then it comes that there's a class fear or a function. And everyone's going to ask you, could you please draw? And many times it comes to camp. Who can do the scenery? And you can draw. Or there's something to be made, a sign, just for the rabbi, mazel tov, and they go to you. You'll see how everyone looks up to you. So if you could recognize you're a young kid... And to see that any time you do something, even though it's difficult, even though the three, four painful people will make you feel pain, but look at all the people that will back you up. Could you do that? Can you change that view? Can you see that? Yeah. So that means if you go to OT and it helps you and you do better and someone makes fun of you, so if you stop going to OT... What might happen is you might stop doing other things that you want to do because you're afraid of people's comments. But if you could learn to go to OT because that's good for me and I want to take music or you want to learn extra, or you want to learn a certain Mishnah. I was in Yeshiva where a Bacher took upon himself to learn Daf Yaimi and certain people were making fun of him. A Yeshiva Bacher doing Daf Yaimi, you shouldn't do it. Well, after about a year and a half, he finished almost an entire Seder in Gemara. And they made a seam and all the Rebbeim came and even the Rosh Hashiva came down to that seam because it was like a 12th grader to make a seam, which is unheard of. The cover that he got and all these guys that were making fun of him the first three, four months, later were going, wow, this guy already finished the whole Seder. A boy in our Yeshiva in 12th grade finished the whole Seder. 
recognize that when you're a leader, at first everyone makes fun and they try attacking, but after a while, everyone's going to jump on the bandwagon and say how successful you are. In fact, I could even tell you, since I came out with a book, three different therapists told me, since you wrote a book, I believe I could also write a book. Great, go ahead. It's a pleasure. Join. What? I'm saying, go ahead. When you'll be successful, you're going to find other kids start being successful, wanting to. Yeah. So does that help you now with the OT to be able to realize that you're a leader, do what you need to do, stay focused on what you need to do? Yeah. Great. Now, the second problem is there's a very good kid in my class, yeah? Yep. And he's friends with some bullies. How do I take him out? Why do you want to take him out? Because let's say he's, he's becoming part of them, so... And what's wrong if he becomes part of them? Maybe he likes it. No. No, what? What? To be a bully? Maybe he likes it. Yeah, but it's not good. He's a good kid and learning it. So usually my recommendation is then to tell the Rebbe. Because... Well, my Rebbe's not going to do anything about it. Now, let me ask you, do we have a power over anyone else? No. No, I can't change anyone. In order for someone to change, they need to say, I want to change. So let me ask you, if he's I... a good friend of yours, that now it's not so good to be his friend, can you make other friends? Yeah, I have other friends. Great. So stick to the other friends. And if this friend will ask you, why aren't you hanging around me? What happened? You'll say, well, you're starting to act a little bit different. I liked you when you are just nice to everyone. I liked you more then. Okay. So I wouldn't suggest you go up to him and tell him, stop being their friend, because he'll say, they're not bullies. They're really nice kids. But you could tell him, I don't enjoy being around you that much now. Yeah, okay. All right? Great. Yeah. And I'll tell you what. We're going to take some more questions now because we got so many people on the line. So we answered two out of three, which to me is a great percentage. And thank you for being so brave, so confident, and you're so clear the way you asked your question. And you're really someone that with Siata Deshmaya, if you just continue along this path, you are a real leader. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you. And. Mr. G, you're on with Mordechai. Yeah, hello? Yes. Okay, so first of all, thank very much for your show. My pleasure. I know a lot of people who never stepped foot into therapy, um, who definitely listen to your show every week and change their view. I have a co-worker that I work with who constantly vents to me a lot of his issues that he wouldn't do to other co-workers because I have a listening ear. And he really needs to get professional help. The problem is in that family, they have this crankite that therapy is for the great dimension, they're for cuckoo heads, they're for guys who are either off the dirt, or guys who will jump off the roof. That's their vision of it. And he really, he really needs help. He has an addiction, he, he gambles, but he knows how to learn a lot. And if father read it into him, if he could only learn more, he'd become a bigger mentor. You understand? Just that I mean, this is the type of family doing this. Yes. And he needs a lot, a lot, a lot of help that his coworker can't offer, has no training in, and the only thing that keeps you know, going is that I have a good heart, and I don't tell him it's crazy, and I give him unconditional acceptance, which is good, but he really needs to learn how to pick his pants up and, and get to that his office. The problem is, the system that it comes from doesn't recognize it, because they say, for the past 80 years, we didn't have therapists. You need a good rub. If you learn enough to murder, you'll have the answer. So I told him, would you go for a vaccine for polio? I mean, the grandfather could have had polio, and he would have lived it. He wouldn't have had a good life, but he would have lived it. Would you go for it? Would you go for chemo? 
I mean, the grandfather's in Mexican, but I mean, the, the family is not willing to accept it. And he has a severe problem. And it bothers me as, as a coworker that this guy needs help. And I feel that if I, you know, because I have a catch with him, if I am able to go and tell him something that makes sense, what can I do to get him? You know, or I should just keep quiet and just let him vent and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's my goal here? First of all, it's a pleasure speaking to you and to feel the way you care about your friend and the way you try helping out is a huge source. I recognize that in therapy, it's very much like the Chafetz Chaim has the famous vart that when we finish a Masechta, we say, And the Chafetz Chaim asks, what do you mean, that they work and they don't get like reward? Sure they do. Have you ever seen a tailor, and that's, I think, the muscle that he gives that I saw, have you ever had a tailor that makes a suit and doesn't get paid for that? So what the Chafetz Chaim explains is that when a tailor makes a suit, he gets paid for that. But what happens if he makes a suit and it's not successful? He won't get paid for that. In Torah, even if we're not successful, we still get schar for that. Now, you looking to help your friend, so first recognize that the little bit that you're doing, don't, don't knock it away. Don't devalue what you're doing, even if you're not successful. Step one. Step two, how do you get someone to go to therapy? One of the main purposes of this program, and as I share, it's not to get clients. And I, from day one, when I already started this program, I was Baruch Hashem, or some say, unfortunately, but Baruch Hashem, I was full. If someone needs help, I was Baruch Hashem full for many years before that, so I've never done it for that. And the point is to start creating the awareness about addictions, about, the, about anxiety, about depression, getting help, teenagers to be able to start getting information, kids to be able to call and getting information, how to break a lot of the stigma. So Baruch Hashem, that is having a huge success, and I never assume we'll be able to reach everyone. What I like sharing is to tell this person okay your father believes in a rav in tyra who's your godel and now let's ask your godel but if your rav says you need therapy now you gotta listen and that's how you see there's a disorder how do we share when someone's got an ocd if it's a frumkite or if it's a disorder very simple don't have the therapist do it let's speak to the rav if the Rav tells you, say, Kriyashma once, and you're not able to stop, and the Rav gives you four or five tips, and still not able to, the Rav tells you, now you need a therapist. If someone is from, and all of a sudden, they're, they're, it's hindering, it's disturbing their life, the Rav will tell you, this is not from Kite anymore. The therapist is not allowed to do that. But once the Rav says, now you need help, now you need help, and if you're not going to help, now you know it's a disorder, Ben disorder. <laughs> means the private disorder, and they're covering it up. And they've got a disorder, they're covering it up. And we've got many, many Rabbanim that will then start saying, we wonder, and I don't want to go into that about their learning, I don't want to go into that minimizing the Rabbanim Shalom knows the schar that he's going to give everyone. But when we have denials, unfortunately many times, we try to manipulate the Rabbanim Shalom to do it our way. And when I see that there's someone manipulating the Rabbanim Shalom, my path is, Baruch Hashem, since I am a therapist for a couple of years, I've got contacts to huge Gedoyal. I'm asking, who's not just a big Rav that you respect, but who's, the, who's your Rav's Rav? And usually we try to get in touch with the Gadol, and the Gadol usually will put them in their place saying, you have a disorder. It's not something to go deal with learning. Now stick to the therapist and face it. Right. So my so recommendation is, you tell this guy, who's your Rav? Let me contact your Rav and ask the question. Maybe we'll keep your name confidential. And if your Rav says you need therapy, then either you speak to the Rav or let's start recognizing you need therapy. Right. But the, que the, question, the question I would ask before you know, going, because I have the people, 
is that why, just out of curiosity, why today's generation is there such a big need for therapy? And obviously there is a need. Anyone could turn around and see a full of problems. And let's say 50 years there wasn't such a need or it didn't exist. How would you phrase it? So I have an answer to that in one of the chapters over here. I wonder which chapter it is. I will tell you which one. I got her. There's so much revisions here. Let's see where which one it is. It wasn't in self-esteem. It was in... Here it is. Let me have the book. Here it is. Chapter 5. You know, can you find it over here? The end of chapter 5. It's just before chapter 6. The Chafetz Chaim has two Talmudim of the Chafetz Chaim bring down the twice. The Chafetz Chaim says that he pushed himself in his younger years too much to learn that it got to a level they had such pressures that for an entire year he couldn't learn Tyra. And what I would like to share is that we have many times that story. Here it is. It is in the Chavetz Chaim. The first Sefer that says it is... Where do we have that? Where's the Makar? That's the takeaway. Here we go. In the Sefer Hanhogas of the Chavetz Chaim, it's in page 278. And that is one. And the second place was in the letters of Rep, of Repsachim Minkin, which is his one of his Talmudim Muvik, where he writes that it weakened his body. And the Chavetz Chaim says, if a Talmud, if someone pushes himself too much, he says it's not the it's not the Mahalach of the Yitzhatoyv, it's the Mahalach of the Yitzhahara. Says the Osalidin to someone like that that pushes himself too much. Sorry. So the first one, Sefer Hagas of the Chavetz Chaim, which was written by. From over there by the Psach Minkin. The second place is in Sefer. Um, Kitzer told us, Adel Chafetz Chaim, it's written down over there on page four. So both stories he brings down that he pushed himself to such a level that for an entire year he couldn't learn. I need to realize we're talking about the greatest Ligadom that they bring down at Saif Yomov. And it says after he would learn three, four hours in a row, he'd say, I need to slow down because I learned from my younger years the danger of pushing myself. So when people go, 50 years ago, it wasn't there. It's not true. The Gedolim are writing that pushing ourselves had the issues. Of the derech was rampant. It was called the maskilim in those days. And those that say we didn't have disorders in the past is not true. What is true about it is that it wasn't public. It might not have been as much, but it was there. We have stories continues. There's stories of the briskerov that someone said that they thought they were chicken. And the briskerov tell really. And the person comes out saying, okay, I'm not a chicken. So the brisk, they ask the briskerov, how did you do that? She so said, well, I asked them, do you also have a need to like shake, clap your hands like a wing? They say, yes. Oh, I have that too. Do you have the need to go? So they ask them, do you have the need that when you peck with your nose to lift one foot? They say, no. She says, ah, so you're not a chicken. I'm a chicken. I have that need. There are stories throughout history. If you look at the, at the Gemaras, of depression, of sadness, of almost everything there, we are just not wanting to acknowledge it by saying the past had no difficulties. Just open up our eyes and we'll see that. Is this generation a lot worse? Yes. Do I have right, my own theories why? Yes. But what you're going to see is that the Chafetz Chaim learned from it. Instead, your friend continues to gamble and saying it's not a problem. Do we hear the difference? The yeah, famous yeah, story with the Chafetz Chaim, with, with stealing the apple and giving it back. The Chafetz Chaim at a young age is able to say, I made a mistake and stand up to the plate. Those in denial that disorders continue for generation to generation is because they deny it. And they rationalize. That's where the problems continue. Right. So you're saying basically that the difference is in the only people are able to move on and today they're way down. 
they were able to acknowledge it. And the Chavetz Chaim took him a year that he says he was not able to learn barely anything. In one of the places he was not able to learn, I'm pretty sure it says just Chumash Rashi. Imagine the Chavetz Chaim, 18. One story, one, one of the Makaris say when he was 18, the other one says when he was 20. But either way, the Chavetz Chaim was huge at that age already. And for an entire year, had to slow down his learning. He was able to say, I have a difficulty, I cannot learn. He usually the Lashon Nim Veloinim, he couldn't sleep. He was, he, he was sleeping, but it wasn't sleep. Mamish describing for an entire year he couldn't learn. But he learns from that. What can I handle? Your friend is gambling and is in denial. I'm not a gambler. Right. Understand okay. denial is the problem. The problem isn't if there's a problem. You look at the Gemara, you're going to see stories where Talmud shared or this one had this difficulty, and they're able to be open about it. But they didn't stay there. They asked for chizuk. There's how many countless times we have stories in Medrashim, Rebbe Kiva, when his son was nifter. How it was. They shear. They're open. The ups, the downs. We learn it. I need to understand. I need to give this waiver. When I talk about the Gedolim, I talk about it with the greatest humility because these are people that the Rabbi Shalom spoke to them. These people had Gilui Eliyahu. I feel I must give this huge, this huge little... Um, disclaimer, I am no one to say that anyone that we're having today is similar to what the Chafetz Chaim had. What I'm trying to say is that the reason why the Gemara wrote those stories, the reason why the Talmidim wrote it is for us to be aware. For us to recognize that. That the denial, the lies saying that it wasn't in previous generations is not accurate. There were difficulties, but they overcame it. The denial, the lying, that's saying it doesn't exist, so everything is made up by the therapist of shtism. So why can't talking people today take care of it on their own? Well, I would like to give one simple answer. In the past, we were connected to Rabbanim. How many times do we speak to a Rav? I, I was, uh, I learned by Rav Belsky, for, I learned by Rav Pam for a couple of years, but I learned by Rav Belsky. I always loved the story that Rav Belsky said. He said, back in America, he remembers still that they kashered the chickens. And when there was a Shiloh, a mother would even know what a Shiloh is, would send the kind over to the Rav, or the mother would ask the Rav, and the Rav would see she's pressured, or the Rav would ask the kid, and the kid would say, oh, I have to know right away, he says, oh, it's a little bit hard in the house, the Rav would call over the wife, would call over the parent, the husband, what's going on? The Rav was the therapist. The Rav was involved. There was a little shtetl with one Rav, one Shaykhet, you had to know what's going on. There was a connection. When was the last time you asked a Rav Shiloh? And I don't want you to answer it because we're talking to thousands of people listening. When was the last time we connected to a Rav? And the Rav said, boy, I see you under a lot of pressure. Relax a little. Go to a shear. Take a shear. Start connecting with some friends. Pirkei Yavis is all therapy you'll find in Pirkei Yavis and in all the Svarim. When was the last time we really learned? When was the last time we focused on Pirkei Yavis? Unfortunately, I would really tell to you in a negative pattern, people are asking me, Shiloh, and people, people are opening up to me in levels that should really be to the Rav. And I tell them, this is a question that belongs to a Rav. And for those of you listening to this program and listen to my hotline, to my phone line, know that I am promoting all the time. Let's get back to our Rabbanim. You don't like this one? No problem. There are hundreds for you to choose from. Find one Rav, but connect to it. Open up and you will see your lives change. So I believe that a big issue that we've got is we are not connecting. We are not opening up. And we're doing it alone. And being alone does cause a lot of the disorders that we have. Loneliness. 
We are going to take one more question because uh, actually, I, I wonder if we have time. What's the exact time? We got a program at 10, right? 56. So we've got about four minutes to go. So we will take one last caller then, Leonardo. Mr. A, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hello? Uh, yes. Okay, so I have a kid in my class that um, nobody wants to be friends with him. What, what do I do if I want to be friends with him? Like, the kids might embarrass me or something, and I'm like, I'm little, and I can't, I can't be his friend now because kids are going to make fun, maybe. I heard a magnificent story about this perm, that there was a kid... There were three kids that no one, no one, no one really wanted to go collecting with them in a group for perm, and I heard one of my friend's sons said, "I'm making my own group," and because he's a popular kid, he took in these three kids and two other popular kids went along, and now you had a group of six pop, of three popular boys and three not such popular boys, and they had the greatest time. What I'd recommend is take a friend that's like you, a leader or two other friends, and tell me, you know something? These kids, this kid is a real good kid. He just wasn't given an opportunity. Let's take him into our group. Let's make our click. And not in a click that we won't include others. We can enhance others. Alone, they might make fun of you, but when you have two good friends with you, so when you're three kids plus that kid, you'll see how natural it looks, and you'll see how this kid will step up to the plate. And it might even take him... Two months till he feels comfortable to open up and talk and be confident. But every child, every kid has got power within them and success within them. And if we believe in it and you help him out, you will see it. But as you're right, you're afraid. Maybe you can't do it alone, but maybe with a group you could. Does that make sense? But what if nobody wants to? Well, do you have a friend? One mm -hmm. So yes. speak to that friend. Say, let's try it. Mm -hmm. It's a huge mitzvah. Okay. It's not only a mitzvah, we are helping ourselves too. Because imagine, what happens, Hashem, if that was you? And i got a secret to tell you. In life, sometimes we're up. In life, sometimes we're down. All of us have our downers. If we're always afraid of those bullies and always trying to fit in, we're always going to be afraid to be ourselves. But I, that's why I'm telling you, don't do it alone. Have a friend or two with you. Mm -hmm. And you can tell this friend, the same way I'm doing it for you, the same way... You can, others will do it for us. There's a concept that it's brought down in Medrash many times. Do you know why the Rabbeinu Shleilam picked the Avis, one of the big secrets? Because they were all shepherds ahead of time. The Rabbeinu Shleilam had them all be a pastor. Why? Because a shepherd, the Rabbeinu Shleilam saw each of them, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and by Moshe, and by David. When one of the sheeps ran away, they didn't say, eh, it's one big deal, I got to save the thousand. They went after the one. They saw the godless in one. They cared. The Rabbi Shalom said the way they take care of sheep, the way the loyalty, they care about every single one of them, not the bigger group, not the best one, not the fattest one, but take care of even the weak one, the one that's alone. This is the person that I will take to take care of my Klal Yisrael. Sounds like you have the Kaychus to be the Avis, Merz Hashem, to be a leader in Klal Yisrael. Don't be afraid of that. You see it? You see that sheep that's left alone, that little Shepsel that's out there alone? Show the leadership within you, and maybe Mashiach can just come from you. Mm -hmm. Recognize you've got the kaychas of leadership. Use it. Utilize it. Build up your friends. Do it together. Okay. And how much time do we have left? All right. So with that, I'd like to tell you all good night. And may all of Klai Yisrael, and call back next week or drop earlier because the lines are all full. And may Klai Yisrael hear a real nechama after this tragedy that has happened this week. 
May the mishpacha have a nechama. May all of Klai Yisrael have a May we be zeichet to have the geula shleima and shir and simchas and have achdus and klal Yisrael from happiness, from simcha, from wealth. And with the geula shleima, b'mheir b'yameinu.